everyone. Welcome to this Harmony and Health podcast. I'm Julia Outlaw from the Harmony and Health team. And I'm joined today by three other team members to talk about sleep, sleep and rest, something we all need. And I think um, it's true to say that a lot of people have been having more problems with sleep um, and probably rest recently. So keen to explore that from the lens of Harmony and I'll introduce our guests for today. And if you're regular listeners, you'll have heard them before. We've got Dr. Eleni Tionpanu. Eleni is a palliative care consultant um, and also experienced in Ayurvedic and also nutritional medicine. Dr. Hannah Poikinen. Hannah is a neuroscientist and she runs um, an organization called Wise Motion, so bringing together neuroscience and movement and dance, um, which is her background. Um, helping people with brain-related injuries. So really understanding the sort of brain side of movement and sleep and how we function. And also Dimitra, Dimitra Macarona, who's a pharmacist. Um, She's worked in Greece and also now in the UK and has explored natural medicinal products as well and herbs. Welcome, Dimitra. So let's talk about sleep then. Um, Do you think it is something that people are struggling with more these days, Eleni? Possibly. I think uh, it depends um, on uh, the type of person, on their the, their age. So I think people perhaps are not moving as much nowadays and they stay at home and perhaps eat differently or eat more and that has an effect on their digestion and they don't sleep. People perhaps are more stressed and isolated. All these different factors that have an effect on uh, our sense of well-being and how we can relax and rest at the end of the day or during the day. Some people have experience with long COVID, which has an influence on on how they are and... um, Yes, I think there are more difficulties now than before mm. the pandemic. And I was thinking also just than in the past, maybe. I'm thinking about our other explorations into seasonality and being more in touch with nature. I know, Hannah, you're interested in sleep cycles. Do you think people are less connected with sort of night and day? Yeah, I, I really think so. So I think... Over the years, I think it started already before pandemic, we started to kind of lose the everyday rhythm. So I, I see that the kind of the, we don't have this clarity on the tasks we are doing during the day. So we might be eating at the same time we are working or watching TV or, or we might be working and then trying to prepare ourselves to go to bed and still checking some emails or news. So I think there's, there's this lack of structure in the everyday life, which influences directly to the quality of sleep as well. Because then when there's no structure during the day, there's not really structure during the night either. So at night we might wake up and start scrolling the screen or or, or even think about some work-related things or other worries. So, yeah, I think it comes down to the seasonality as well. So, for example, wintertime, the daily rhythm should be a little bit different than in summertime. But in general, it would be important to have some kind of rhythm. Like, and, and since 
kind of the society is not really proposing us a rhythm. It's more on our own responsibility to create the rhythm. And that might be hard to, to take that yes, responsibility. Yes, so much in that. And maybe we can get on to sort of sleep routines. And I know it's sometimes called sleep hygiene in terms of screens and your, your rhythms, as you say, before you go to bed, especially. Um, but I'm interested, there's, there's a lot of articles out there about how much sleep you need and it's is it six hours or is it eight hours or is there a certain amount of sleep we need? We all need sleep. Um, I know you die without sleep and it's a form of torture to not have sleep. I've certainly experienced that as I'm sure most parents have of young children. Um, but, but why do we need sleep and how much do we need or is it about the quality? Maybe I can briefly tell what we know about the latest neuroscience at the moment, because it was just recently found that actually uh, during the deep sleep, the kind of the brain waves which are created, these really slow brain waves, they give kind of pulses to the cerebrospinal fluid. So then the cerebrospinal fluid can kind of like wash the brain out of the toxins. So this was really... I want to say even surprising founding, but this could really explain why it's so important to spend time in, in deep sleep and why, for example, it's noticed that the, the dementia tends to go hand in hand with sleep disorders. And this starts already a couple of decades before the onset of the illness. So it looks like if we don't get this deep rest, slowly our brain is like it's it's not able to clean that well and that creates this kind of really really severe interesting so it kind of cleans you out when you sleep i know people always say well you'll feel better after a good sleep but it literally has healing properties what do you think eleni well uh, i was thinking about um the Mediterranean culture, and perhaps uh, Dimitra can talk about that, of having a bit of a rest in the middle of the day. And I think we don't have as many people with dementia in Greece, for example, as we have in other countries. So, and I know there are people that can have a deep rest in the middle of the day. How is it um, in Greece, uh, Dimitra? I think it does help. By having like a short nap in the middle of the day, I think it gives you the chance to switch off and recharge. As long as it's not a qualitative nap, I think it's some sort of meditation, isn't it? Gives you the, uh, the opportunity to empty your head and focus on your breathing, relax for a little bit. It shouldn't be that long, though. Um, I think maybe Hannah could help us understand why a 40-minute nap of good quality helps us more and makes us feel more refreshed and rested than a three-hour nap. Yeah, I think that's related to the stages of the sleep. So there we have these like four stages and the uh, REM sleep when we are dreaming. So And the, each cycle tends to take like, let's say, from 90 to 120 minutes. So if we have just a shorter nap, it means that we stay on this like more superficial sleep, stages one and two. 
Um, and I think if we during our nap really fall into that deep sleep, it might be harder to wake up from there again. And then again, this like really not long napping during the day, it might then disturb the sleep yes. at night. It also has to do with um, uh, how we eat as well. And if we were to follow the rhythms of the day in the middle of the day, when the sun is at the highest, that's when our digestion is at its best. And that's perhaps the time that we could have the richest food that would be better digested by the body. And then that's the time that we could have perhaps a 20-minute sleep that would help the digestion. I know there are some uh, big companies in the States that have these uh, rooms where people can go and have a quick snap, a quick nap. Sleep pods. Sleep pods, yes. And even if you could go somewhere and just relax, close your eyes, um, it it could give you a lot of energy. So it's about following the rhythms of the day and the rhythms of the body. But in... Uh, in the current world, we have all these uh, different facilities. We have electricity, we can have light all the time, and that light just affects how our energy and um, makes us want to work more. We have television. Um, I tried once um, detox, uh, technology detox, and um, we're thinking as a family to reintroduce it now that the uh, light is, uh, the days are getting longer. Just have a day in a week or every two weeks where you don't turn on the light, you don't look at your computer or your laptop, and you just eat uh, with with uh, the light, read as long as there's a bit of light. And then you have, we had an opportunity to discuss, sleep earlier, relax. Really, the end of the day is, is a chance to gather yourself. Um, remember that the energies, the strong energies of the day when you were working are starting to wind down. And then it's a time to collect yourself, think, be grateful for what happened during the day, um, recollect of the events of the day, and um, be grateful and and um, stay together and um, be tender. A different kind of energy it does sound different. It's it's about habits in a way. You know, I'm wondering. I mean, that must have been hard even just trying it, even though you know all the benefits of it, you know that this could do you good. Yeah, that's sort of, I've had a long day, I will just sit, watch telly for a bit. And and I know for myself you know, that it does affect my sleep. I have sort of more dreams um, if I watch TV too close to going to bed. Um, it does change over time. I mean, I wanted to share... Um, I used to sleep really well, like long, long, long. And I think that's the same for you know, certainly most teenagers or as you get older, it sort of changes. And I think um, when your hormones change, whether that's because you've just become a parent or perhaps you're approaching menopause, all that can affect your sleep. What's your experience of that? If I can say something about getting older myself, as I getting older I find that I wake up earlier sometimes 
I wake up at half three, four, five o'clock. Uh, not because I'm worried about anything, but because my body, something inside me wakes up. And um, that can be explained by the ancient uh, Indian science of Ayurveda, where there is a, a kind of energy that wakes up and um, makes us want to move at that time. And everything inside us moves. Our thoughts move and our body wants to move. I've been going with the flow. I've been following this rhythm, and some days I get up and um, I get out. And if the moon is quite strong, that affects me as well. The moonlight has a of, of a full moon has a different energy than um, days when there isn't a moon. So. Older people sleep less. Younger people sleep less because they have their children, but then they they have more energy. So everything changes as we as we change. Our patterns change, and our needs change, and the way we should look after ourselves change. Yes. Now I know there's a lot of writing. There's a lot of products out there about improving sleep and things you can sort of try, you know, have a weighted blanket, listen to sleep meditations, um, take magnesium. But what what would you recommend? Demetria, what's your experience around herbs and sleep? There is a variety of herbs that you can use to make teas that help you relax and calm down at bedtime. Uh, I've tried most of them myself because I've realized that Making a nice cup of tea is also part of the routine that contributes to a good to a better quality of sleep as well. Also, the process is quite soothing. Some of my favorite herbs plants that can be used for teas are the lemon verbena helps us relax. So chamomile is a really popular uh, tea for Greek people, especially we use it for many conditions including like agitation and restlessness and insomnia and linden linden tea is a good option as well and also has a very nice honey flavor lavender is quite common in england in the uk in general you can find it all year round and lemon balm as well is a good one it's part of the mint family uh, but it has a very light uh, lemony scent and sometimes we come across it as a cooking ingredient but it also makes a nice cup of tea it's a fun activity as well to get a few of these herbs and make different blends and experiment and see what flavor combinations people like my favorite for example is a blend of lemon verbena linden and chamomile yeah it helps me sleep very well during the night and also Seleni made an introduction on Ayurveda. Uh, we can talk about ashwagandha. Uh, yes, it's a highly esteemed plant in Ayurveda, and we can use its roots to make um, a drink. It's called an adaptogen, which means that it helps our body to adapt to different levels of stress and anxiety. We can just boil a cup of water put a couple of teaspoons of ashwagandha, strain it and have it at night. Uh, 
human trials have shown that it improves the quality of sleep. Yes, lovely options there. Thank you, Dimitra. And also the food you eat depends. I mean, you've already talked about eating maybe more in the middle of the day, Eleni. I read about you should have protein before sleep. Is that true or is that for some people? Or? Oh, dear, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> According to ancient Indian tradition, not at all, actually. I think about it. Protein gives you energy. People who want to exercise a lot, they uh, they eat a lot of proteins. So why would you eat a heavily protein food at the end of the day? I think actually you should do the opposite. You should eat of, um, grains or vegetables. Um, it's actually very important what you eat, how it affects you. Really, we have three chances during our day to actually medicate or, in a way, poison ourselves. As one of my teachers, Dr. Basvati, says, so I think it's, it's, it's better to have something light at night. And if it's a carbohydrate like rice or bread or um, pasta, then it helps you sleep better. You, you, you know, you've been cooking your rice pudding and eating it at night, which is quite nice. And um, light foods like and avoiding foods like um, garlic or onion or cauliflower or beans, protein as well. They they give you gas. All these foods, they're the garlic and onion are pungent. They need a different kind of energy to be digested. So if you have them at night, then you have a more unsettled tummy, and that has an effect on uh, on your sleep. So gentler foods at night, and the earlier one eats, the better. Uh, if people are used to eating late, uh, it's better... If slowly they can change the way they're eating by eating earlier, every few days, 15 minutes earlier, so that they can end up eating before half six or six o'clock, that's better. Then gives body time to digest and um, then um, you get into, into a easier sleep. That, of course, uh, involves uh, getting to bed a bit earlier as well. It's also the food combinations that are key because uh, if you combine foods that are in a way incompatible, they need a different kind of a digestion and um, if you combine them, they clog up the system and they create a, an unsettledness in the body. So not, not combining different kinds of grains, not eating fruit after food, which is a habit, a bad habit. Fruits should be eaten separately, not mixing milk with fish, There's not mixing yogurt with fruit. There's lots of things that people have been told they are okay to do, but actually they can create small, subtle um difficulties to the body that over time they accumulate and they create diseases and illness and not being able to sleep well. So 
To finish in a positive note, it's good to eat a lighter food at night. Some people, it's better to eat fruit earlier in the day, not to eat fruit late at night. And to finish with a nice cup of tea like uh, Dimitra suggested. Yes. Again, I'm thinking for myself here in terms of when you're not having good sleep. And so my experience after long COVID with awful insomnia, really, and I know a lot of people have experienced post-viral insomnia. And it's scary. And in a way, you sort of hang on to those little tips. Oh, is it because I ate this or... Um, and actually, it's something to do with your whole nervous system being too riled up um, or full of adrenaline. And it's a little bit like, you know, if you exercise too much, too late or a particular type of exercise, that's not conducive to sleep. What would you say, Hannah, about movement before bed or anything that would help sleep or hinder sleep? Yeah, this is very, very interesting question, like from the professional, but also from the personal point of view, because I've also suffered from chronic fatigue uh, syndrome actually twice. And on the first time, I had very heavy insomnia, so I really didn't sleep much. Um, but then after some years when I had it again, I was kind of more aware of what's going on, and I was really focusing on the sleep quality. And that time I didn't suffer from insomnia, so I was really listening a lot of calming music, classical music, doing yoga nidra practices, um, doing gentle movement with breath, um, doing massage with essential oils, self-massage. So these, I think it was these kind of like small habits which really helped. Like, okay, I was still tired and my body was still heavily influenced and recovering. But since the insomnia was absent, there was somehow also more hope and there was more like kind of the, the healing process form was more continuous. And I think the key was the calming music, yoga nidra, and then the gentle movement with breath, breathing when, whenever I had energy for that. So I think these are um, elements what everybody could apply I think calming music is very, very helpful for everyone. And it might take quite long to kind of go into the calming state. So it might be that you, you, you put music for half an hour, even one hour before you go to bed and you really like allow the body to calm down to that. Yes, so those were things you'd do right before bed, even a massage or a... Yeah, and then I think also the, the quality of sleep in a way, it's a measure of our general health, overall health. So I think it's good to keep in mind throughout the day that we would have these moments of rest, moments of, of processing emotionally what has happened during the day and all these kind of things. So sometimes I notice like the, the wise motion clients, they often ask, like, so what do I do when I'm in the bed and I cannot sleep? Often they're like, well, maybe that night might be in a way lost. So then you can do as Eleni described, like just go with the flow. And then on the next day, you start preparing yourself a couple of hours before going to bed, like thinking like, how can I really calm down much before the actual bedtime? Yes. Thinking ahead a bit rather than getting to the bedroom, like, mm, and now it's getting late and I've lost my sleep window. How can I just ease in a little bit more and treating yourself again there's an element in how you speak Hannah about self-compassion about it and you know if you're not feeling that or giving yourself the space it's hard to calm down and relax and you know have a peaceful night 
I should I should be calming now. I should be resting. It's like, no, there's no shit. And I'm thinking now of all these people where it's not calm at the moment and there's, you know, horrendous pressures in the world and there has been um, and there's more around. And and what what sort of hope can we offer them? They can't, you know, people who maybe it's not easy to get herbal teas or they they don't have that space or maybe even a calm environment to sleep in. What sort of little things could could help? A cuddle. Get someone who who you love and who loves you to give you a cuddle. A warm, warm blanket, something that I don't know, even a toy or something that you're connected to, something that um gives you some some peace. And a very practical thing that people can do and uh, advise that to a lot of my patients, especially if they're very thin and dry, is to rub a bit of sesame oil, untoasted sesame oil, on your, uh, on your feet at night before you go to bed. And if, if they're quite dry, even along the legs as well and the hands, and that in itself, even that little habit can make a huge difference. I also think that staying away from screens for a couple of hours before we go to bed makes a big difference. And I know people often listen to, um, you know, some kind of sleep inducing meditation, maybe, or some talking or like Hannah said, some music. And that means people's phones are in their room. So it's it's having some awareness of managing that, I guess, for yourself and not then checking your email or, I don't know, waking yourself up with the light of it. Before we ended, I wanted to touch briefly on rest. I know we've talked about having a sort of siesta or a nap in the middle of the day, um, but rest doesn't have to be asleep. And I know from my own experience, it's too easy to flop on the sofa or just sort of and feel that oh I'm taking a rest but that kind of rest doesn't really promote better sleep later on and it doesn't actually rest your whole system in the day but there's other ways of of resting how do you rest Hannah? I when you describe this uh, the first mental image what came into my mind is that you're I'm sitting in the sun and just really feeling the warm sun on my face and and on my arms so I think the or the other one, like being in somewhere in the nature, like for example, the forest and just really like smelling the nature and just sitting there quietly. So I, I think these kind of moments of, of rest are really important during the day. So the aim doesn't need to be that you're really sleeping or laying, but it's just like kind of having a small break. It can be even five, ten minutes, but you're just there and kind of like sensing the environment. Well, obviously, you need to go to an environment which is calming. And the nature works very well for that. It can be just a park or just a balcony with sun or whatever you have in use. Yes, good ideas. Dimitra? Depends on the time and the place. Uh, if the weather is nice, I try to be outside for a little bit and enjoy the sun if there is any. Um, I just try to find some quiet in me generally. Uh, I won't be checking my phone. I'll try to close my eyes for a few minutes and just focus on my breathing. Um, also, if I'm at home, I'll play music for 
10-15 minutes. It helps me relax and it gives me a good break, especially if I'm, I'm doing some like quite heavy mental activity on that day. Great. Eleni? Actually, Dimitra, I'll try to remember that. It's a good tip to play a little bit of music, play the piano a little bit to relax. Yes. I usually, I need to be on my own in order to relax. This um, being alone and being quiet is really helpful to me. There is a churchyard uh, uh, with a very nice garden near where I work. And sometimes when the weather is good, um, I just go there for 10 minutes, take my fruit um, and eat and, and just look at the trees and feel the sun on my face and have a few deep breaths. And I know um, sometimes Alexander Technique helps me. I, uh, I lie on the floor on my back and I just go deep onto the ground and relax my whole muscles. That helps a lot as well. Lovely. Yes. Or some gentle movement even. I know, Hannah, you've led some wonderful sort of visualization type movements relating to nature and it takes you to a different place than the maybe do, 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 or like you say, Demetra, mental activity that we're often in. Just something that breaks that cycle and gives your whole system a different taste of something, perhaps engaging your senses more or doing something you enjoy, another critical pillar of health and well-being joy and connection whether it's drawing maybe something just sketching something or cooking as we were talking about in another podcast could be a type of rest um, if you taking it slowly or enjoying the colors and I think if you have rest in the day perhaps that would inform a better sleep yes most probably you're less wound up and uh during rest, you can recover your energy. So it's such an interesting discussion. I think we've recognized there's, you know, insomnia can be terrifying and there's all sorts of spectrum of good sleep and not so good sleep and different things, events in your life or in your day that can affect it. But also so many little things that could contribute to a slightly better night. Any closing words? What also helps me at the end of the day is to, in bed, to close my eyes and just think of three things that I'm grateful for. Just this sense of gratitude, perhaps, for something that happened in the day, something that I'm really grateful for helps helps me. Thank you, Eleni. And thank you so much, Hannah and Demetra. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.